So I'm Monica, I'm recovering from food addiction. I've been contemplating how to approach my share this evening. Um, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little winging and a little planning, so we'll see how that all comes out. So I've been an Overeaters Anonymous for 31 years. I came in in 1989, and um, I started out in life with a really unhealthy relationship with food. It was never normal really never. So um, when I was four, I was in pre-K and my mother got a call from the nursery school that said that I was hogging all the Oreos <laughs> and um, my mom might want to do something, you know, about my um, eating and ask me not to hog all the Oreos so the other children might have some. So um, I was very attracted to sugar really early and my parents put me on a diet when I was six. Um, and the first time was so fun because it was like something special and new and different. And after that, it was, you know, misery. I was a huge sugar addict. I drank syrup from bottles. I went as far as drinking corn syrup. I ate brown sugar out of the box. I mean, I went, I mainlined sugar as a kid and I couldn't stop and I didn't understand why I did what I did. As I got older, my food choices broadened a little bit, but sugar was always sort of a main point of obsession. So even if I wasn't overeating it, I was obsessing about it and thinking about it and planning about it. You know, I, I gained and lost weight a couple of times. When I came to Colorado, uh, I went up to back into like the 200s. My highest weight was somewhere in the range of 250 pounds. And I say in the range because at 242, I just refused to get on the scale anymore. <laughs> and so I know it was higher, but it was somewhere in that range. So I was very obese and I didn't like moving. I didn't like exercise. I definitely didn't like eating healthy and I didn't even know how to manage food. I would starve during the day and then I would binge at night or I would, you know, try to try to buy healthy foods and then they would all rot in my fridge and then all the healthy stuff would, you know, be trashed. And then of course the hummus or the chips or the salsa or the whatever crunchy stuff would be gone like the first day after it came home from the store. So I came into OA in 1989 and my first meeting was in a convent and literally little nuns were singing in the background. And I just looked around thinking, holy crap, how in the hell <laughs> did I end up here? <laughs> Wow. I was familiar with 12-step programs and um, through a series of events, ended up hearing about OA through my mother. And so I thought, eh, I'll try it. I don't know, whatever. And so that was truly like, like I began the first step, the first meeting I walked into because what I heard was I was powerless over food and my life was unmanageable. And that, that rang so true to me at such a deep level, I felt a weight fall off my shoulder because I had been told all my life that I should be able to control food, that there was something fundamentally wrong and broken about me, and that I should be able to interact with food in a normal way. And what was wrong with me that I couldn't. People tried to encourage me. I mean, in high school, counselors and friends and my parents, they sent me to fat camp. They sent me to Weight Watchers for years. And none of that worked because it wasn't getting at the fundamental problem, which was I was using food to cope. I couldn't handle, I couldn't handle life. I didn't even know I couldn't handle life because I just went to food. It just was an automatic, from a really young age, a really automatic reaction to, 
too much anger, too much sadness, being uncomfortable, um, not being able to cope. So I got to OA, heard the nun singing, uh, looked around, and I found um, folks that I related to. So, you know, the, the God thing was the next piece of the work. So came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And, you know, I've been raised Jewish, which also made being in the convent very strange. And I didn't really have a relationship with God. Like, I, I, the rituals felt comfortable and, and, you know, I was raised with that set of beliefs. Um, some of that still rings true for me today. But it wasn't a personal relationship with God. So I had to really start from scratch. Like I had no freaking idea how to relate to God to be able to turn over my, um, turn over my food addiction. So I started with nature because I was living in Boulder at the time. And oh my Lord, it's just so beautiful there. <laughs> just incredible. And I was from Virginia. So mountains were just a place where I could feel awe. And that was what someone suggested. What makes you feel awe? And I could immediately think about the mountains. So that was kind of where I began my relationship with a higher power. I also went through a, a sort of pagan phase where I was really into sort of like Wicca and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I had to like scratch all my words out in my books, for, for, you know, God to goddess. And, you know, I just, I get, went through all these phases, right? But the ultimate outcome of that journey was that I had a personal relationship with God that felt like I could tap in, that I could connect, and then I could more easily um, access my instinct and my um, intuition instead of just going with whatever my brain was telling me, which wasn't necessarily always on track. So came to believe, worked on that a bit. And then the third step, I knew, I knew I can repeat them easily. And now I'm like, what's the third step? <laughs> When you're on point, let's see. Made a for my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. So I really struggled with that one because as a Jew and, you know, my people were annihilated in the Holocaust and, and horrible things were done to them. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm supposed to turn my will over to this entity that allowed this to happen, yada, yada. And so um, that was a struggle. I had to really kind of work through my interpretation of the third step. And my, my current an evolving relationship with a higher power is about a source of strength, a source of love and a source of direction. And so those three tenets are really where I go back to in terms of my belief in a higher power. I have to let go of the whole concept around, you know, quote, God's will, as far as, you know, oh, it, she died, it was God's will kind of thing. Like some of that stuff just doesn't resonate for me. But what resonates for me is going to God for direction, very much so because I need that spiritual direction to get through my life and to, to be a decent human being and to make my life the, the way that I want it to be. Love in terms of support in a sense of being loved and then direction, I've said direction, strength in terms of being able to overcome things that are difficult so that food is not the answer for me anymore. The next step was um, the fourth step, which is when we do a, a moral inventory. I love the fourth step. It's actually one of my favorites and most people hate it because it's like this long dreary process and you have to dredge up all your stuff and look at your history. I loved it because it, it ultimately led me to the place where it said, this is my part. So the, the inventory for people that aren't familiar basically looks at, you know, resentments you have, what happened, what the person did, 
it's kind of like you get to point the one finger at the person for a bit and then the three fingers that are pointing back at you is the part that you really work hard on. <laughs> so that's my part, right? And so my part freed me because it was the one piece in a situation that I had control over, that I had choice about. And I had to look at stuff where I was abused, where I'd been harmed pretty significantly as a kid and find a place where I could decide what my part was. And in the end, for me, in my experience, it was about holding on to that harm instead of letting it go. Um, and so I've just re-harmed myself by reiterating in my head that scenario or that, that experience. And so, you know, I can say today that through a series of many inventories and even a form of amends with my father who um, was my abuser I am I'm completely free of anger toward him. I have a real peace, a deep peace with my father that is only possible because of the work that I've done in the 12 step program. And because I have a spiritual life and because I worked hard at looking at what I could do to mend that relationship. My dad is a very broken man. He is still a drinker. He's still, you know, just a, someone who uses and you know, I, I have a reasonable relationship with him today. I could even go to the point in my men's of thanking him for the things that he did bring to my life that were positive. So, um, so that's the power of this program for me is, is, you know, oh gosh, this interesting, very heavy word came up, but it's, it, for me, it was about redemption. You know, it's about going from a person who just can't cope and coming to a place where I can face my demons, where I can own my shit, where I can correct myself immediately when I step off wrong, where I can mend broken relationships and go back and correct it and make it better. Not always, but many, many, many times. So that process of looking at the inventory was incredibly powerful for me. The next step is giving it away. We look at, or see, this is wearing, damn it, six. <laughs> We're willing to do, to do, there it is. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And I always thought, oh, that's the easy one. You just, uh, you just say you're ready and you're good. But actually when I really dug into that, that step, there's a piece around, you know, there are, there are parts of our character that don't serve us in some respects, but in some ways that do. And they're harder to let go of because they're protective or they're in place for a reason. And so I had to do a lot of looking at why was my behavior showing up the way that it was. And if I wanted to do it differently, I had to look at kind of the root cause behind some of that. The next step is about humility. Step seven, um, we humbly ask God to remove our shunk crummings. And the root of that, of that step in my reading has really been about what is humility? It's not humiliation. How am I humble? when I approach life. And, and, and in terms of like today, my big lesson um, in my work and, and with my friends is not so much about what I know, it's about what I don't. And it's about owning the fact that I don't know a lot. And I'm open to learning and I'm open to listening to, to grow and to expand who I am in the world and to be a better person. And so it's, it's kind of an interesting time in terms of understanding humility from that perspective of I want to listen and I want to learn. Step eight. Oh, boy. <laughs> I swear I can recite these by heart. I swear. 
made a list of all persons we had harmed became willing to make amends to them all. Um, and so, you know, again, that piece is really about the willingness to not only name our stuff, but then go and make amends and actually face the people that we've harmed or mend those relationships that are broken. And so I've had some incredible experiences making amends. It's been incredibly healing, incredibly freeing. Um, I've had some funny amends where I went to Whole Foods and I tried to give them some money for food that I I used to mix stuff in bags and then I would market the lower price, you know, like two different kinds of nuts or whatever. Anyway, so I went back and I said, you know, I used to do this and I need to pay you some money. And the guy looked at me and he goes, I don't, I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, is there like a foundation I could donate to that's part of Whole Foods or could you just give some money to a homeless person? I don't know. I need to give you this money. So he had to like do all this research to figure out where the hell this money was supposed to go. We finally figured it out. But, and then, of course, I've had very serious, heavier um, amends to make as well. So the 10th step is really about keep staying current with where we're at. And that, for me, is, again, a really powerful piece of the program. I work with a sponsor. Oftentimes with that sponsor, I'm identifying the places that need work and need some cleaning up and need some addressing so that I can show up in the world the way I want to. Step 11 is about a spiritual connection and a spiritual practice. Um, and something I discovered uh, in the last couple of years is that it really doesn't matter what spiritual practice I do. I just need to do one. It doesn't really matter. I could chant. I can meditate. I can pray. I can... Um, I, whatever. I just have to be committed to it. And I finally found a practice that I could commit to, which for me is a practice of chanting. And so I chant um, almost every morning for about 20 minutes. And during that time, I say my prayers for other people. I've set my intentions for the day. And it just sets me in a really different space and has really shifted my life in a lot of really dramatic ways. And so, again, I think if I hadn't been in OA and been oriented to a spiritual life, I don't know how open I would have been uh, when this opportunity to learn about chanting presented itself. And, you know, that's me. I mean, there are lots and lots and lots of ways to practice um, spirituality in terms of prayer. You know, different people have different practices in terms of what works for them. And then the, the 12th step is about giving back. And so I sponsor several people and I, I have a sponsor. And I think really the, there's so much um, literature, especially in the AA program about the importance of giving back to keep our own recovery. And so for me, it's, I learn so much from the people that I sponsor and oftentimes they're naming things that I need to look at in my own life, or I learn something new that I hadn't thought about. Um, and so that, that joint discovery and kind of walking hand in hand in recovery for me is a really powerful experience. Honestly, this, that's what I have to share today. I don't have 15 more minutes and I don't want to just talk just for the sake of talking. So I think if you don't mind, I would like to wrap early. Thank you for listening.